welcome to The Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to The Feathered Desert. Uh, This is Cheryl, and today Kirsten and I are going to talk about um, extreme heat. So it's hot. And we're going to share um, some information about extreme heat and our birds. Extreme temperatures add stress to an already fragile existence, yours, mine, and our birds. Extreme heat is threatening bird populations, and with the hottest July on record here in Phoenix behind us, let's look at how birds handle the heat, wildfires, and how we may help. Kirsten? All right. So birds have adaptations to keep cool. And we're going to look at a few of those things. So birds in general are well insulated. They do have feathers everywhere. And just like us, they heat up when they exercise. Imagine wearing a down jacket all the time, even when you exercise. Yep, that's a bird. Birds are always, in a way, exercising. So birds have to be careful not to overheat. When you have to flap your arms all the time to get everywhere, (laughs) that's like exercising. (laughs) So a few things that they have are anatomical adaptations. Shorebirds will wade in cool water, and this helps their bodies to to release heat and reduce heat uh, with the cool water on their legs. Uh, waterfowl also use water to regulate their body temperature. As we all know, um, ducks and geese, when they're on the water, their legs are under the water. That can help them stay cool. Dark plumage, this will surprise you, can actually be cooler than white or light-colored feathers. So dark plumage is an adaptation to stay cool. It may seem counterintuitive that so many birds in hot climates are black or darker colored. I know you're standing there at your window looking out at all these dark colored birds and you're like, why are you in the desert? (laughs) But studies have found that there are advantages to having these colors that are darker and more drab. One, darker feathers do get hotter than white feathers, but because these feathers provide such good insulation, very little of that heat reaches the bird's skin. So that is a definite plus. Number two, dark feathers absorb light and heat at the surface where it can easily radiate back to the air. So dark feathers are more resistant to wear and they also help block UV radiation. Dark feathers also allow birds to be more inconspicuous, sorry, inconspicuous, when resting in the shade, but visible to their flock mates. So that really is, I didn't expect that. I expected darker feathers just to make them hotter all the time, but apparently it helps keep them cool as well. Birds don't sweat. Uh, They generally cool off by panting, and you guys have always seen this. You've all seen it looking out at your feeders, and you're like, why is that bird's mouth open? It's also called a gular flutter, because that's what uh, the little portion of their throat is called there. So that is what they're doing to help keep cool. 
And desert birds have evolved to avoid exertion during the hottest part of the day. This is a lesson that we should be taking from them. If it's hot outside, don't go outside and do anything. (laughs) You'll notice when you watch your bird feeders that like at noon, um, when the sun is the highest during the day in the sky, nothing's happening. No one's eating anything. Nothing's going on. They are still. They're going to be in trees. They're going to be in bushes. And they're staying nice and cool. And many desert uh, bird species have long-term pair bonds and they maintain year-round territories. Now, what does this have to do with heat? It has to do with the fact that it reduces their need for energetic displays. So fighting is relatively rare, and they're not wasting all that energy and the heat to keep their territory permanent because they've been there a long time. And, of course, there are many mechanisms that they use to shelter their eggs and chicks from the heat and to provide water, and Cheryl's going to tell us about that. So heat and baby birds. So extreme heat in the southwest can be devastating to young birds. Baby birds will jump from nests to find relief from the heat. Sometimes they find something soft to break their fall, and other times not. A nestling's body, tiny body, is still in development, and the tiny bird struggles to regulate its temperature, which is one of the reasons why parents sit on their young to help buffer the cold and the heat. Not only are baby birds less efficient at relieving heat stress, but they also have limited mobility. And this can lead to nestlings and open nests like hawks, some owls, even our curb-billed thrasher babies exposed to direct sunlight. This sometimes leads to these birds leaving the nest too early because they are too hot. And like Kirsten mentioned earlier, birds don't sweat, they pant instead. And unfortunately, panting is an activity process that requires a lot of muscle movement. So it is a double-edged sword. To offload heat by panting, birds basically have no choice but to produce heat. And scientists are concerned that chronic heat stress is going to lead to nest failures. So this is where um, extreme heat is really going to affect our birds. This risk could, could this could risk the future of 389 different North American bird species. So that's where the concern is. Not that the adult birds can handle the extreme heat, but the babies just aren't equipped. Yeah. And babies are the next generation. That's right. So they're very important. And Kirsten's going to talk about wildfires. Yes, we're all concerned about wildfires. Every time in the summer when we're recording this podcast, there's some sort of wildfire going on, whether it's in Arizona, whether it's in Canada this year, and horribly recently mm-hmm. in Hawaii. So wildfires are becoming hotter more numerous and fiercer with the warming of the climate. And we can see that with the most recent wildfire in Maui in 2023. And since we like our terminology here, (laughs) a wildfire refers to an unintentional, uncontrolled fire. So how do wildfires impact wildlife and their habitats? After a wildfire in Flagstaff, 
two porcupines were seen walking slow and funny and more, you know, more so than usual. They always walk kind of slow and funny. But they were picked up by wildlife rescuers, and it was discovered that these animals had burns on their feet from walking on the hot coals left behind. So what is happening in the aftermath of fires? This is showing you that animals are having a hard time and being pushed into areas that they're not traditionally in, yes. like our neighborhoods. So birds, if they can fly, will actually fly away from a fire. But young birds, like nestlings, cannot fly, cannot fly and they're left to perish, sadly. Um, wildlife rehab centers are filled with birds that have had their feathers singed or melted from the heat of wildfires when flying overhead to get out of the way. And scientists are currently studying the effects of climate change wildfires to better understand how birds and other wildlife manage once their homes have been burned. Because, as we said before, this with our climate change situation going on, we're having more frequent wildfires. And yeah, that's and a problem. And Cheryl's going to tell us. Yeah, a little wildfires bit more. are getting hotter and hotter. So to say birds um, can, aren't affected because they f fly away, well, they they have to fly higher and higher to avoid the heat. Yeah, and not to mention, I just spent all that time and energy making a nest and then putting eggs in it and raising babies, and now yeah. they're all gone. That's a lot. That affects birds yeah. and their population. And not to get off the subject a little bit, but Maui is um, an environmental disaster, really, because it's going to take such a long time for that to grow back. That yes. The native yes. uh, plants and um, wild wilderness areas that was there, and they're they're because they're an island. Their birds, um, habitats, and species they're, they're fragile. Yes, very much so. So I have, we have no idea what's what's happening, what's going to happen. So I'm going to talk about the pros and cons of the effects of fire on wilderness areas. So we're going to have to be a little flexible here. I'm going to put out the negatives, which may, you know, are probably obvious to everybody. And then I'm going to uh, list the positives because there are positives. And I always like to end on a positive note. So uh, the cons are burn and damage vegetation uh, communities. So obviously burned areas such as rainforests and deserts that take up to hundreds of years to recover. Um, it kills or injures individual plants and wildlife, including birds. Causes erosion and subsequent sedimentation of creek and wetlands, which this in Maui, for instance, because that's at everyone top of everyone's mind right now, it's the ocean. All of that yeah. that ash and stuff that's going into the ocean is affecting um, marine life. Open up area. It opens up areas to the impacts of weeds, evasive plants, and feral animal invasions, which I never even thought about, as well as human access and vandalism. So here are the good things. So wildfires, as they are in nature, they do have positive effects. So it heats the soil, cracking seed coats and triggering germination, triggers woody seed pods held in the canopy to open, releasing seeds onto a fresh and fertile ash bed, clears thick understory, reducing competition for seedlings, encourages new growth that provides food for many animals, 
and creates hollows and logs and trees that can be used by animals for nesting and shelter. That's why one of the first birds that goes into um, a, pla- uh, a forest that's been touched by uh, wildfires is woodpeckers. Yeah. So, and some warblers. There's a warbler, I believe, that's up in the northern, um, somewhere up there. Maybe it's Minnesota that they had to actually generate uh, fires in, um, burn some fires so that the warbler could, because uh, it likes that kind of um, vegetation for nesting. Oh. I can't remember the name of the warbler. I, sh- I should have noted that. It just came to mind right now. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Native animals can escape fire by fleeing to unburnt islands within a burn area or to surrounding unburnt vegetations. Insects, reptiles, and small mammals may be able to hide underground. And animals that live in trees can move to the treetops and escape low to moderate intense fires. Birds are the least impacted by fire as they can fly away. Again, they're only talking about the adults, but their babies and their eggs can be impacted depending on the season of the fire or the heat wave. There have been events where a large mass of birds has suffered and been lost due to fire. And several years ago, migratory birds were falling out of the sky over New Mexico due to smoke damage to their lungs and starvation because they had to vacate um, where they were eating, where they were uh, foraging um, because of a wildfire. And recently this year, 2023, up in the Northwest, they had a heat wave during... um, Breeding season and terns in particular were affected because they've, the terns have started to nest along, um, not just on the coastline, but on the rooftops. And the babies were, it was too hot up there and they were jumping, um, down onto sidewalks. Yeah. It was not pretty. Yeah. No. All right. Let's talk about one of our favorite non-native birds that live in the uh, Phoenix Valley. Everybody loves the lovebirds, um, but they have an interesting relationship with the heat. So rosy-faced lovebirds are a pet trade escapee native to southwestern Africa, the desert area there. Um, They were first documented in the 1980s in the Phoenix Valley. They have flourished in the city where they nest in cavities of ornamental plants and cacti. Their population is now estimated at more than 2,000 individuals. But the parrots haven't ventured far outside the city's urban areas. This suggests that these birds are relying on humans to survive in a desert that's hotter and drier than the one that they're actually adapted to in their home turf. So Phoenix lovebirds have figured out a creative way to beat the heat. This is just shows you how smart um, lovebirds are. Yep. Parrots in general. Um, what they do is they perch on buildings near air conditioning vents or near swamp cooler vents, and they take advantage of the cool air that's leaking out through the cracks. I just think that's so smart. Um, these uh, parrots also find their water sources at golf courses, bird baths, fountains, and parks with lakes and ponds. 
So Phoenix's lovebirds' inventive adaptations to extreme heat are an example of how birds and wildlife in general are going to have to change their behavior to uh, stay cool in the heat. Yes. I thought that was very clever. I wonder, I would like to be there when the first lovebird figured that out. Right. And they're like, whoa, this is so cool here. <laughs> it's like, come over here, guys. <laughs> Yes, everybody gather around. I've found yeah. the cool spot. What, yeah, why, why is Joe sitting over there? Yeah, let's check it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how can we help birds to beat the heat? So the first thing is, it's obvious, to offer water. The higher the air temperature is, the more water they have to evaporate, so they, that they have to get rid of, and the more frequently they have to drink. Birds cool down by bathing. The water directly lowers their temperatures and, abs and absorbs heat energy as the liquid evaporates from their skin. Uh, provide shade. In addition to panting and bathing, birds beat the heat simply by avoiding it. Many species will stop foraging during the hottest part of the day, choosing instead to shelter in cooler shady spots, which is what our desert birds do. Um, supply food. Native plants provide plenty of seeds, berries, and fruit, as well as hosting insects, food resources that can become scarce during periods of extreme heat. Heat waves typically happen during breeding season when 96% of native North American bird species depend on butterfly and moth caterpillars to feed their young. We, you can help these birds feed their babies when the temperature spike by cultivating native plants. And for some species, some bird species, feeders can also help supplement food resources. And last, of course, we're going to ask you to take action, advocating for native plants in parks and municipal landscapes, work in your community for change to lower temps in your city. Because right now we can't do it globally, but we can do it neighborhood by neighborhood. And in closing, humans are impacted by extreme heat just as birds are. If we make it more comfortable for them, more survivable actually for birds on Earth, then humans, well, we benefit too. 